is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the seaside town of Edmonds, Washington, where I am still in denial that the Seattle Seahawks are not going to win the Super Bowl. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. I'm from Hood River, Oregon, where I'm battling illness and don't know what you're talking about since the Super Bowl already happened and the Seahawks lost to the Panthers. I'm Andrew Hoffman. Oh, I should have said podcasting to you from the Seaside Time, Edmonds, Washington, where I am double-checking, triple-checking, and quadruple-checking the audio quality of this show. I am not trying to skip another show, and my name is Tim Kilkin. <laughs> so, yes, people, uh, you may have, you may think we haven't done a show in two what, weeks. two weeks, but really it's only been... One week. Wait. No. We haven't... They think we haven't done a show in three weeks, and really it's only been two weeks. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we did a show that was lost to the dustbin of history. I think you've pointed out before that uh, with my audio editing and uh, recording skills over here, we lead the league, so to speak, in... uh, Totally lost podcasts. And usually I claim that they were amazing, but in this case it really wasn't very good. No, it wasn't good. You and I uh, didn't find it to be especially provocative, provocative, especially uh, uh, provoking, provocative, I guess the same thing. Uh, I'm looking for another word here. It was just... Double plus ungood. There was double plus ungood. It's a little flat. The show itself was a little flat. On top of that, there was a crazy bad microphone issue. As those of you keeping score at home, I am using the the wife's Revelations Radio News computer, which obviously is just her computer. <laughs> Actually, I think both of us are using my wife's old computer. I'm using yes, her current computer, true. and you are using her old computer to do this That's show. True. So. Uh, anyway, uh, but we recorded the entire thing through the default MacBook microphone on the side of the computer, not the USB microphone that I was plugged into and was in front of my face. So it picked up absolutely every possible noise and it was almost unlistenable on top of that. I wasn't thrilled with our performance, so uh, you just gotta let it go. And, uh, about four times I said, Tim, you know, it's, it sounds really terrible. Are you sure that that's not going through the recording? So, And every time it's like, no, no, it's, that's just on your side. So, What's going on in the news today? <laughs> uh, I would have to get right into it. Nothing good. I just wanted, I just wanted to get off yeah. the subject because you totally <laughs> – you totally, you were right. You were 100% right. You were like, hey, Tim, this is really sounding bad over here. And I'm like, ah, my side always sounds good. I'm more worried about you. <laughs> oh. 
Um, the theme we have of the, this show. We have a theme. Is uh, killing people. Double plus good. Yeah. So, where do you want to start? Well, you've let's already, start. Let's start with the late breaking news. You've already developed a theme. Yeah, I want you to go ahead and start with late breaking news, and let you. I'll let you just take off in your direction. So, okay. Wow, you have populated the secret folder. Yes, I've been waiting for the show to start for an hour and a half. So, plenty of <laughs> sorry, sorry, my friend. Plenty of t- no. I mean, the the first hour was uh, I was prepping, and then. The last half hour is continuing to prep. So there we go. There you go. Um, Five arrested, one dead in connection with the Oregon standoff. FBI says, read the press release. Okay, this comes from OregonLive.com. And we are recording this at like 8.53 Pacific time. And this story is from 6.57 Pacific time on January 26th. So just a couple hours ago. The FBI and the Oregon State Police jointly reported five people were were arrested and one unnamed person was killed in connection with an occupation at the Malheur uh, National Wild Refuge. Here's the full news release. At approximately 425 Pacific Standard Time on Tuesday, January 26th, the Federal Bureau of Investigation and Oregon State Police began an enforcement action to bring into custody a number of individuals associated with the armed occupation of the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. During that arrest, there were shots fired. One individual who is a subject of a federal probable cause arrest is deceased. We will not be releasing any information about that person pending identification by the medical examiner's office. One individual suffered suffered non-life-threatening injuries and was transported to a local hospital for treatment. He was arrested and is currently in custody. The arrested individuals include Ammon Edward Bundy, age 40, of Emmett, Idaho, Brian C. Bundy, age 43, of Bunkerville, Nevada. Brian Cavalier, age 44, of Bunkerville, Nevada. Shauna Cox, age 59, Kanab, Utah. Ryan Wayland Payne, age 32, of Anaconda, Montana. These probable cause arrests occurred along Highway 235. In a separate event in Burns, Oregon, at approximately 5.50 p.m., Oregon State Police arrested the following individual. Joseph Donald O'Shaughnessy, age 45, Cottonwood, Arizona. All the named defendants face a federal felony charge of conspiracy to impede officers of the United States from discharging their official duties through the use of force, intimidation, or threats in violation of Title 18, United States Code, Section 372. We continue to work with Harney County Sheriff Dave Ward and his deputies, Oregon State Police, and the United States Attorney's Office to address any further outstanding issues. As the investigation is outgoing, we cannot comment further at this time. All defendants should be presumed innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> Trust me, I'm presuming them innocent. Um, okay, so now it says they're not going to tell us who uh, who they killed. Um, so, Tim, if you go to the next one down below that story mm-hmm. and click on the original link, it's a video. And um, it should be a video. Oh, I'd figured out who was killed, and now they're already reporting it. So my investigation uh, saved me like five minutes. But uh, 
Okay, so go ahead and play this this video by uh, Lavoy uh, Finicum, and he is the person who was killed. Give me a so sec. listen l- listen to this uh, crazy militant, and I think it's it's only a minute long, so it's not too bad. This is not just a little occupation. This is a movement that's taking place. Well, the plans are to, to return this to the citizens of Hardy County and the state of Oregon. And so it's very important that we try to, to keep things neat, tidy, preserve it, so that, that nothing is, is destroyed. What is a terrorist? What is terrorism? Terrorism is when somebody is put in extreme fear to control them. BLM came in last year, fenced them off, and with this being fenced off, they're much less viable. So we're opening it up and let us go back on like they were. Kevin said they're putting up cameras up there, and so he said, you know, I'm tired of this raiding state, and we'll take them down, and, and they can take them back to Washington, D.C., and go use them somewhere to protect our nation and our borders like they should, and, and not uh, spying upon the citizens of the state and the county. But we're not terrorizing anybody. We're threatening nobody. We, we mean harm to nobody. Have you felt the change in the tone and tenor of the uh, feds out there? We certainly have. We used to could walk up to them and talk with the FBI agents um, in a friendly manner, unarmed and, and stuff, but the tenor has changed. Okay, so they uh, they pulled the video. That last part was the only part from the video that was on there earlier. Huh. Wow. And so it, it, it was him it was him going on for a couple minutes about like the different things the FBI was doing and flying dr- drones over them and um getting out of cars like with their guns drawn and stuff to intimidate them and things like that. So and he 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 predicted he said they're acting like they're going to start they're going to take some kinetic action. And um you know, ironic is probably not the right word, but ironically enough, he was the one who who bore the brunt of that. Wow. But anyway, the guy talking is the person who was killed. Um, seems like we probably could have found a way not to kill that guy. Nah. Yeah. But why? Yeah. He's just hey, oh, there's, he's a, there's he's a part of uh, well, Al, celebrating Al Yihada. Yeah. So it the Al Qaeda. That's what it was. The Al Qaeda. Oh, there were a bunch of them. Yeah. yeah. People are celebrating because he got killed. Yep. Same people that celebrate when a Planned Parenthood person gets killed. And um. No, different people. Okay. To. Different people, these, uh, and to be fair, there's plenty of people, you know, doing the opposite of celebrating as well, but, um, and it's still, I mean, there's still a lot of people at the refuge and now, um, I saw they're not going to be allowed to leave without surrendering and, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think this is necessarily over. Sure. Even though they got the 
the supposed leaders of it. Well, we got it uh, on. We got it on record. You said just go home. I mean, you thought that it was uh, there. There's nothing to prove, and it was kind of silly anyway. Maybe just go home. Uh, good. Uh, well, I I don't necessarily think the the cause was unjust. Just the the means. Yeah. And then our good friend Matt Schneider, listen, listener to this show, uh, former uh, war veteran, also made a video about he, how he thought that they should end this occupation um, thing that they were doing and uh, ends up going in, in a bad direction just a couple hours ago, I guess. If you want to... Uh, well, what a, the Bundy brother is the one who got shot. But but not killed, right? And I don't and I don't think that they were feds. I mean, the conspiracy side of me is like, oh, now they got those guys out, and then they'll go in and wipe out the, you know, the the followers or the people who were who were legitimately there on their own accord. Um. Because it, it kind of seemed like the Bundys kind of got away with something in in Nevada. You know, I mean, they had right. snipers pointing rifles at federal agents, and the federal agents just walked away, and that's it. Nothing's happened since. And I, I'm tempted to think there was some sort of deal cut where it's like, okay, now you guys are going to show up at the next one of these, and um you know make them look bad and we're going to make an example of them but i don't pure pure conspiracy theorizing and i don't necessarily think that's what happened but it i don't know it, it is suspicious so with the federal government grabbing land all over the place it seems like a strange um, strange place to take a stand. Although the um, getting thrown back in jail for something you've already served time for is absolutely uh, unconstitutional. Sure, you can't you can't get tried twice for the same crime. But what if you become a terrorist by the new definition of yeah. the law? And because um, you set a fire. Well, and that was another well, and, interesting part, and, part that Matt Schneider pointed out: just burning your own. You know why we burn? Did you did you catch all those uh, links that he sent? Well, um, I've got one of my college roommates. His family is uh, they're grass farmers, right? And they're on the Idaho Washington border. And one state allows grass burning, and the other side, the other state doesn't. So they have to burn, you know, like half their fields. And they can't burn the other half. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's reasons to do it, um, but there was also stuff going on where it's unclear. Did they really set the fire? Were they setting the fire in response to other fires that were set? Which is what they claim. Um, and this was covered on. Oregon local TV anyway. So they, there was like this crowdfunding campaign to like 
send the Bundys home type thing. And, um, and it turns out the kid behind it, you know, in his twenties or thirties or whatever, his mom was the judge who sent, uh, the Hammonds back to jail. (laughs) You know, totally, totally organic there. Right. And he, he has like a government job and stuff. And, but anyway, um, Sad situation all around, but um, I don't don't fully trust that we're we're getting. Well, I never trust that we're getting the whole story, but um, I don't think it's I don't think it's a grand conspiracy. But I also think there's a lot of manipulation going on um, with the agenda for down the road. So, future land grabbing cases where people might have an even more legitimate, you know, case to stand up. Now it's going to be like, oh, you're like those crazy people in Oregon or those crazy people in Nevada and drone them and kill them all. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Drone them, kill them all, turn it into a glass parking lot. All right, moving right along. Where to next? Well, staying with the uh, the theme. Okay. Um, the quote is, uh, let's see. If I die by committing suicide, don't believe it. Uh, Bill's former mistress fears Hillary's wrath. Uh, One of President Bill Clinton's former mistresses fears the Clinton campaign could attempt to assassinate her and stage it to appear as a suicide. Uh, And this comes from from your favorite news source, InfoWars. And I think, uh, let's see, I think it's an InfoWars original there. On Saturday, author and former Miss Arkansas Sally Miller, also known as Myra Bell Sally Miller or Sally Perdue, posted a message alerting friends that she fears for her life. This election year, if you read I Died by committing suicide, don't believe it, Miller told friends via Facebook post. The former beauty queen claims she's been familiar with the Clintons' intimidation tactics since the 90s, during which she was physically threatened by a Clinton operative. It's been well-established but underreported by American media that Hillary Clinton unleashed her operatives, including Ron Tucker, to threaten Miller beginning in 1992, reports Jack Dennis for Examiner.com. Soon after she began talking to the press during the first year of Bill Clinton's presidency at a meeting in a restaurant with, with Tucker, Miller was told to be a good little girl and was offered a federal job. If she didn't accept the offer, then they knew if I went jogging by myself and couldn't couldn't guarantee what would happen to my pretty little legs, Miller recalled. Things just wouldn't be so fun for me anymore. Life would get hard. According to Miller's latest Facebook post, she believes she's being monitored while at her home and followed when she visits the park. The signs are evident. I'm being followed. I'm being inundated with Facebook requests from young, handsome men in search of an older woman. My phone rings with numbers listed as unknown. No messages, only more unknown phone calls. For no reason, a writer and neighbor who never so much as waved in the 18 years, eight years I've lived here wants to be my friend, visit me, come to my house, and share her writing tips. Now in my early morning visits to the doggy park, men driving trucks with 
dark window stop to ask directions. Recently, I watched two men videotaping the area, and they laughingly pointed their camera in my direction. Today, looking out my window, I noted two cars driving slowly by my house. In a few minutes, they returned to drive past again. The drivers were hidden behind dark windows. True, my house is for sale, but in my neighborhood, two cars driving past my house at the same time constitutes a traffic jam. Small signals, but remembering the past with its crazy and deadly coincidences, I have every reason to be concerned all over again. And uh, the deadly coincidences she's referring to are the the Clinton body count, basically. Um, The fearful message comes weeks after Hillary penned an open letter to Hillary, labeling her completely evil, heartless, and totally selfish. Like the... uh, Yada, yada, yada. Okay. Um, And then... We already p- played part of this, the new Clinton Chronicles thing from Larry Nichols. Um, but there was an interesting tidbit in there. Um, so Larry Nichols says about every month or so, Hillary Clinton would fly from Arkansas to L.A. And it was kind of distracting because she'd leave like every every single month. And he asked Bill Clinton what she did. And Bill Clinton's response was, oh, she goes to a a witch's church. (laughs) And this was back when Larry Nichols worked for the Clintons. And he said, do you know what would happen if that ever got out? And it was, of course, his job to make sure it didn't get out. But um, just a little tidbit, uh, you know, I guess kind of third hand type thing but um i certainly don't find that hard to believe that there's a um a witch or a dark spiritual side to hillary clinton and that does uh it would not surprise me in the least if that were true it would be more surprising if there wasn't yeah yeah <laughs> so. so she um uh, yeah the there was, and I mean, you listen to this guy, and um, I don't know. I certainly think he's telling the truth. Um, so he says the thing that could derail um, Hillary's campaign says it's not the emails they put that out themselves uh, to make her an underdog and and what have you. Um, it's not Benghazi. It's he says it's still Vince Foster. That's the one thing that can yeah. derail He's, her campaign. He says she was having an affair with Vince Foster. Um and he says he doesn't know if they uh killed them or had them killed, but he knows for a fact they moved the body. Oh, and the reason they moved the reason they moved the body was to take it out of the Washington DC police jurisdiction. Um, so that they would have an easier time covering it up. Hmm. Hmm. So I always thought the reason they moved the body was to remove it from the White House, but you know, for each yeah. his own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's just that is just me, though. And there's, there, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, Vince Foster was, uh, I think, he was right-handed, and the gun was in his left hand. Oh yeah. You know, two. Two gunshots, but no blood at the scene yep. where they found the body. 
So apparently he, uh, you know, shot himself multiple times and then drove himself and dragged himself out and then carried the gun in his left hand. Okay. So that's, you know, that wasn't in Arkansas, but just another Arkansas situation. Um, staying with the, the kill theme, this was unintentional, by the way. I just noticed it looking back into the folder. Um, is Fox News pre- preparing proverbial kill shot against Donald Trump? But there's actually... that's. Uh, so there's all this nonsense of um, Donald Trump saying Megyn Kelly shouldn't be a moderator on the debate and Fox News saying Megyn Kelly will be a moderator on the debate and Trump threatening to to boycott the debate just like he does every time uh, to promote it and then he'll show up. But anyway, um, that's my prediction. Donald Trump will be on the debate. And so will Megyn Kelly. And it's a... It's a ratings grab. Um, But... The interesting part of this... And I'll skip down to it. um, They're talking about stuff that came out of Davos. Um, It was at that conference that a figure with significant ties to Fox News' own bottom line... Let it be known his intention to make certain Donald Trump will never win the White House. His name is Martin Sorrell, a British citizen and head of WPP, quite possibly the single most influential and prominent marketing firm in the world, with decades-old ties to the most elite of the elite. Here's what Mr. Sorrell had to say regarding Donald Trump just days ago. It doesn't matter who the Republicans put up, Hillary will win. Uh, Now here's where the link between Mr. Sorrell's comment, which seems to make it Quite clear his absolute confidence in how the 2016 election will play out well before even the first primary vote has been cast, and Fox News becomes far more clear. Money. Lots and lots of money. Fox News, like most other similar media ventures, lives or dies on advertising revenue. WPP and its myriad of affiliates represents up to half of all Fox News ad revenue. WPP's clients include such corporate giants as Ford, GlaxoSmithKline, IBM, Microsoft, Nestle, Walmart, Unilever, etc. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, rumor has it that Mr. Sorrell has already played a pivotal role in manipulating the on-air lineups at Fox and other media entities through the sheer brute force of the significant advertising dollars his clients represent. So when someone like Martin Sorrell signals it doesn't matter who the Republicans nominate because Hillary Clinton is going to be the next president of the United States regardless, it is a prediction-slash-threat that should be taken very seriously. Now let us add another anti-Trump threat that came out of Davos as well this past week. This one was issued by Niall Ferguson, a highly influential Harvard professor and political policy architect, declared by Time Magazine to be among the 100 most influential people in the world. Professor Ferguson stated that he is very much looking forward to the imminent humiliation of Donald Trump, a rather ominous declaration that hints of an impending political kill shot intended to end the Trump campaign once and for all. Sorrell and Ferguson are said to have a relationship that dates back several years. Sorrell himself has aided Ferguson's considerable publishing ventures. Here's a quote from 2004 where he did just that. Okay, anyway. Uh, And 
Okay, so Donald Trump, billionaire, uh, you know, absolutely. Does anyone think this guy is is a moral standard bearer? No, he's got tons of of blackmailable material. So it's just a matter of um, whenever his purpose is accomplished, whether that's winning the Republican nomination and then getting taken down uh, in the presidential election, or, you know, if it's over before that, he'll just be destroyed. Just as he, you know, as easily as the media has made him, he'll be destroyed. And then it'll be like, oh, wait a second. We don't have an anti-establishment candidate anymore. Uh, the billionaire was really on the inside. The guy who gave money to Hillary Clinton you know, uh, wasn't to be trusted. Hmm. It'll, it'll all be so surprising when it happens, Tim. I'm sure. Yeah. So gotta ask, are you doubling down on your, your prediction? Uh, most evil wins. So I do think that Hillary Clinton is more evil than Donald Trump. So still going with Hillary Clinton. Okay. And Jeb Bush, I mean, I guess $90 million buys you 6% in the polls. You can't even get some rig polls to show him, like, in second place. <laughs> so. Kind of pathetic. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So so you, do you still think Donald will blow himself up and, and it'll be... I mean, well, it's, the only, it's, it's starting okay. to look more less and less like what you said. I mean, it's starting to look like he really is some sort of a strange rogue challenge to the establishment. Not that I mean he really is going to challenge the establishment, but just is off script. Um sort of. But if he if the establishment were really scared of Donald Trump, they would ignore him. And he is, he's absolutely anything but ignored. Right. And so, you know, just like, personally, I think this whole uh, assortment of Republican candidates was set up to make sure that um, the anti-establishment sentiment was diverted in a bunch of different directions. I think I think the fact that Trump um is getting such a huge lead uh wasn't necessarily predicted, but I don't think it's worrying anyone in the establishment at all. Right. They they're not worried. It does it's starting to feel like they are surprised they may not be worried but they're a little surprised that you know americans are willing to go in such a radically different direction um and you know let's okay donald trump wins that's that's not a good thing i mean he's he's the self-declared most militaristic person ever i'll build (laughs) this is not good this is not good, people. I'll build a wall. Uh, uh, okay. I, um, so they've they've uh, 
killed the Rand Paul campaign. I mean, he's it's it's over. There's no like he didn't even come close to replicating the um, the level of support for Ron Paul. Um, and then the, the kind of the counterfeit versions like Ted Cruz, um, you know, he's got his own thing. <laughs> Ted Cruz has his own issues. Um, also a crazy warmonger. Uh, wife worked for Goldman Sachs, took money from Goldman Sachs. Um, if you think he's, if he, you know, he's going to save you. It's, it's crazy. I mean, did you listen to the most recent no agenda show? Uh, part of it. They're talking about, uh, Bill, uh, Glenn Beck is like anti Donald Trump. Even, even Rush Limbaugh is anti Donald Trump. Super pro, uh, Ted Cruz. Right. I I watched part of that, um, his whole spiel for Ted Cruz. So, uh, Limbaugh or Beck, Beck, Beck. Yeah. And Limbaugh's like anti Donald Trump as well. Like he doesn't want Donald Trump to get into, like if he gets elected, it's going to be a bad thing. So that's what's, that's what I find strange is like even supposedly conservative or at least leading right wing radio show members are even starting to point out that he's not what's good for America. It, It would be bad. Well, but Limbaugh's never been, um, you know, I mean, I'm not a Limbaugh expert, but that it doesn't surprise me that he's, he's, he's thinking long term, you know, uh, if Trump does become president, he doesn't want to say, oh yeah, this guy would have been great. And then, you know, have it be terrible because the, um, I mean, what would Trump do if he gets elected? Yeah. Well, let's see. Blow stuff up. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna. He's gonna like. All right. So first things, just just off the top of my head, what do I think Trump is gonna do? He's going to try and do something with uh, the border. Supposedly he's going to build this enormous wall because he said he's going to build a wall. And then he's going to like stand like a face-off, like a staring contest <laughs> with Putin, I think, maybe. Is that is that like item action item number two, staring contest with Putin, find out who the real man is? <laughs> no, he, he likes Putin. Oh, he does. That's right. Yeah. P- Putin is a smart guy. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Although he did get, um, he's not even telling us what he's going to do. That's the he, thing. All he's no, doing he's is got, trashing no, what everybody he, else wants to do or has right. done. All it's, which idiots, is idiots. They're weak. Which yeah. is a decent. I mean, it, it's a decent strategy. But we we don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. Uh, whatever it is, it's going to be good for Donald Trump, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't that the truthest? Rufus. <laughs> um, however, would if I don't know, I would have a if if someone had a no, I I wouldn't do it. I take that back. I would not have a hard time not voting for 
uh, Donald Trump. There's no way I'd vote for Donald Trump, any circumstance, even if I knew my vote was the deciding vote that would keep Hillary Clinton out of office. So, hmm. Hmm. so my prediction of Hillary Clinton still stands. Well, from a st- the most evil wins right. standpoint. Do you want to? Uh, you could you could vote for Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson is running again. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll vote for um, several candidates that. Uh, so then my vote is invalid. Okay, that's what I did last time. All so right. I voted for like uh, Chuck Baldwin and Ron Paul. You wrote in Ron Paul? Yeah. <laughs> just to send a big F you to them. Just a big, just a message. Yeah. Uh, well, you did Dr. Future, right? Dr. Future for president. I did, didn't I? I did. Yeah. I think I wrote that on a local ballot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think the world would be a better place if Dr. Future was the president of this country. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a much, much better place. So maybe the only one, the only one who wouldn't be better off would be Dr. Future. <laughs> Can you imagine his level of anxiety having to deal with all those decisions? But the funny thing is his anxiety. The, the is, good thing is his term would be over before he put out his first executive order. So why is that? You know, He'd he'd just still be working on it. It'd be you know, eight thousand pages long. <laughs> I predict I predict an extremely anxiety ridden, many gray hair filled uh, uh, administration, but a lot of awesome decisions made. Like yes. so much like progress in the right direction. Like uh, increasing our diplomatic relations with the Faroe Islands. <laughs> Uh, it's <laughs> hey, I still want to go, man. I'm so, I'm so yeah. I, I want to go. I think it's yeah. other than the weather. Yeah, I think it's a, a neat place. Um, <laughs> I threw this one in here. I thought maybe we should get to we should do something. Yes. Else. We'll do something non-death related. Non-death related. For, well, for I mean, moment. non non-death related, so to speak. Okay. This, this one comes from Goldman Sachs. Um, millennials coming of age. So this is an interesting article. It'll be, of course, in the show notes. And basically all it is is an infographic talking about the different characteristics of millennials as opposed to their parents, which seems deep and insightful and thoughtful. Except that when this was posted to Reddit and I saw it, the comment section of Reddit brought up some really interesting points. That Wait I had- a second. They define a millennial as 1980 to 2000? This is a thing that's happening, my friend. No, this yes, is not right. Yes, yes. this is I'm a thing I'm not that's a millennial. Ha- we have been lumped into millennials. This no, the, is- mil- the millennials started like 84, 85 maybe. I don't make these rules. I hate it just as much as you, but we are being lumped We're in. We're the Oregon Trail generation. I agree. We are the Oregon Trail generation, a little micro generation in between... Generation X and the millennials, but this is this that they're calling us millennials. Nineteen eighty to two thousand, born between those years. So a lot of interesting things. We got ninety-two million millennials, sixty-one million Generation X, seventy-seven million baby boomers. 
um, housing. So there's a lot of interesting things here, and I keep saying a lot of interesting things. Um, but the, some things you wouldn't it wouldn't surprise you at all, and I don't think it has anything to do with uh, millennials or the economy or whatnot. Uh, median marriage marriage age thirty years old instead of twenty three. Thirty years old in the twenty tens. Twenty three in the nineteen seventies. Keep pushing marriage off. But there's a few things I wanted to point out that was pretty interesting. Access, not ownership. Not just homes, but millennials have been luck- have not only been reluctant to buy homes, but also items such as cars, music, and luxury goods. Instead, they're turned to a new set of services that provide access to products without the burdens of ownership, giving rise to what's being called a sharing economy. And they go into all this stuff about how millennials don't necessarily want to buy cars. They're definitely also not buying houses. Let me find that part. Let's see... Housing well, the, the as house mo- is up at the top. Though. Yeah, as millennials enter their peak home buying years, their reluctance to enter the housing market could change. The cohort's sheer size plus its desire to settle down in the future could lead to a surge in home sales. Snug in the nest, a, gl- a growing number of millennials are choosing to live at home with their parents. Choosing. That's an interesting way to put it. But waiting to fly. An overwhelming percentage of millennials say they want to own a home sometime in the near future, but of... Uh, 90, let's see, 93% of renters who plan to buy a home someday. That's 18 to 34, 93% of them. 35 to 44, 75%. 45 to 54, 72%. 55 plus, 39%. Okay, those are not generational issues. That is coming from Goldman Sachs saying, that, oh, the millennials are happy to choose not to want cars. They're happening to choose not to want to move out of their parents' houses. <laughs> uh, we're broke, man. There's no money. <laughs> it's the biggest – this whole thing is the biggest crock. And on top of that, you add to the fact that some of the uh, – here we go. My favorite one, the hierarchy of needs. The must-have for previous generations aren't as important for many, many generations – or uh, for millennials. They're putting off major purchases or avoiding them tire, entirely. Uh, how important is it to you to own the following? A car. Extremely important, fifteen percent. I might purchase one if they really, if I really needed it, but indifferent otherwise, twenty-five percent. I do not feel strongly about it, five uh, percent. Twenty-four, uh, important but not big, a big priority, twenty-five percent. I do intend to purchase one of these in the near future, thirty percent. The biggest share is thirty percent. They do. All right, now let's move over here to luxury bag. This is important. How many people find that it is important to have a luxury bag, a luxury uh, handbag, is that a purse? purse? Yes, precisely. Oh. oh, and this this thing is so much JavaScript; it keeps reloading on me. <laughs> uh, one more, come on! I got too many ad blockers; it really starts to freak out. Important, but not a big priority, is thirty percent of of millennials say that they would get a luxury bag. Thirty percent important, but not a big priority. And then 10%, extremely important. 25%, I do not intend to purchase one in the near future. Uh, TV, extremely important. Important but not a big priority. Again, 30%, uh, I do not intend to purchase one in the near future. House, extremely important, 40%. Important but not a big priority, 30%. Do not intend to purchase one in the near future. Guess what they use to come up with all these questions? Uh, an online poll. Goldman Sachs interns were polled. 
No. Yes. No, the luxury joking. bag section was Goldman Sachs interns, as well as cars and houses. So the whole thing <laughs> is a huge crock of crap. Uh, beautiful infographic. Thought it was kind of uh, insightful on some things. There are some actual real numbers in there that are credited with the Pew Research. But when it comes to the handbag, TV, and car, they pulled Goldman Sachs interns. Yes, that's a representative sample of America. Yep. <laughs> How important? Because I, I, I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, why thirty percent of people like want luxury handbags? I happen, yes. to, I happen to work at a place where like many people that come in actually do find luxury handbags to be important. But I thought thirty percent is an awfully high number for the entire country. Sure enough, Goldman Sachs interns. So there mm. you go. Um, moving right along. Uh, this was crazy. Um, officers who rape the police brutality that chiefs ignore. Uh, 1 a.m. on a Monday in March 2013, when Bronx resident Eric Erica Noonan, 31, saw flashing blue lights in her mirror. She was driving home and figured it had to be a mistake. She hadn't been speeding, she says. Carlos Becker, the officer who stopped her, says otherwise. Not only has she been driving too fast, but she changed lanes without signaling and had run a red light, and her breath smelled of alcohol. He administered a, a breath test and then arrested her for drunk driving. Noonan denies that Becker's reasons for stopping the car were true. She hadn't had anything to drink and broke no traffic laws. Noonan started crying. She'd never been arrested before, and a DUI would jeopardize her job and special education teacher in New York public school system. What happened next scared her more. As he was putting her in the uh, handcuffs on, Becker told Noonan that she looked prettier in person than she did in her car. According to a federal civil suit Noonan filed, then put, as he put her back in the back seat of his squad car, she says he put his hand on her left breast. Becker drove Noonan to the precinct house and booked her, and, and she told him she needed to use the restroom. He allegedly made her keep the door wide open while he watched and later confessed to police investigator that he used his fo- uh, phone to film her lower body. Um, I don't know. Do we get the idea? Actually, I'm going to keep going a little further. Uh, I'm going to skip that part. She was released, arraigned for a court date on a criminal DUI charge. Before she left, Becker was instructed to call him. I can help you out. I'll speak to the DA for you. Noonan took that as a threat. If she didn't, he'd make sure that uh, she was found guilty. So she hired a lawyer. And when she told him that Becker allegedly did, he offered her controversial advice to start communicating with the officer via text, apparently to start a paper trail that could later use in a complaint or lawsuit the strategy it turned out put her in even more danger over the next eight days noonan and becker exchanged nearly 600 text messages during which becker repeatedly asked her out i tried to see you over the weekend because i desperately wanted to go out i wanted to start something serious with you he texted on march 19th so that goes on and on and on and on um and then recently there was somebody uh and he he according to this he he Met her for a drink and then drugged her. Yes, and raped her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then it looks like a guy from uh, Oklahoma City was an officer who apparently uh, did the same sort of thing, uh, sexual misconduct to women, pulling them over and telling them they look good and all this other stuff. So um, that's definitely something to keep an eye on, out there for as far as uh, – and keep and to remember – as far as police, we always talk about brutality and whatnot, and this is an interesting one. Uh, you know, it's really kind of uh, 
and not that beating someone isn't bad, you know, when, but, uh, it's, the rape thing really seems, uh, just kind of, uh, brutal, very, very cruel, uh, because there's no one to turn to at that point. Right. You can't call the police, you know, yeah. uh, you can't call, the, you know, with a, with being beaten, you know, maybe you could at least turn to like news media and say, Hey, this happened to me, mm-hmm. uh, with a rape, some women may not even report it. You know, they feel weird about how it all went down. And that's just a very, very scary situation. So um, I thought that was at least of note. Yeah. Unfortunately, not too, uh, not too surprising. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a, I smell a Will Griggs story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. Have you been following the economy at all? Yes. Yes, I have. That's actually a great point. We should talk about that. So worst opening ever. Um, stock market dropped, you know, the Dow, the S and P, I got some screenshots on my phone. I mean, it was, it was in free fall. Um, I do happen to work in the car business, which I consider to be the tip of the spear for the economy. And it has been an incredibly slow month. Mm. (laughs) Not a lot of purchases at all. Um, so gosh, what day was this? This was last Last week, so last Wednesday, the Nasdaq, the Nasdaq was down. It was down to forty four hundred points, and the Dow Jones was fifteen thousand points. Um, the Dow Jones is down to fifteen thousand. That was last week. Wow. Now the Dow Jones is sixteen six, and the Nasdaq is forty five six. So. It's been rebounding. It's been correcting itself. Uh, some say on the back of extremely low oil prices, oil is actually less than oil costs less than actual barrel to put the oil in. At this point, it was a story that was circulating twenty eight dollars per gallon. For some reason, you could reuse the barrel. For some reason, here in the U.S., they don't actually put it in barrels. It's just a unit of measurement. But yeah, um, here in the in the U.S., here in Washington State, we're still a dollar ninety nine. So. Uh, yeah, we're not much lower than that. I mean, I only just went below two dollars. So sure, which seems ridiculous. It's ridiculous how much slower like oil prices go up, gas prices go up immediately, yes. like within the hour, right? And oil prices prices go down, and six months later, you're still waiting for the gas prices to fall. Gas prices to slowly work their way down. Yeah, like it's I said. almost like it's a rigged game that. Where the Rockefellers still control all the oil companies. Oh, wait. It's weird. Like I said, I I really do feel like the car business is the tip of the spear as far as seeing how the, you know, man on the street economy is doing. And it's been, Mm -hmm. it's been a very, very lean month. Uh, People are pretty nervous. And of course, you know, people that are buying high end. Right, they, those are the people that are in the stock market. Yes, the people that are buying these high-end cars are going to be the ones that are very affected by the stock market. As a matter of fact, one of my sales managers turned to me today and said, I want to go work at a Chevy store. I said, why? He goes, they don't care about the stock market, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> People buying Chevy trucks don't, you're just buying Chevy trucks. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, um, well, another, uh, uh, economic indicator. I was walking, I was out doing door to door internet sales today. Wow. And, uh, of businesses mm-hmm. and not in my town, but in a, a neighboring town. And I would say the occupancy rate um oh yeah jeez for for downtown businesses was maybe seventy percent mm-hmm. about thirty percent of the space was empty, and this is in a place that economically actually supposedly is doing pretty well, you know um Google's there dumping a bunch of money in buying. So where were you? Building the Dells. Oh, okay. Wisconsin, or not the Wisconsin, the Oregon Dells. Well, it's just the the Dells. All right. That's the name of the town. All right. So it's not the Dallas. It's the Dells. Oh, the Dallas? Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, Google's adding on. They're building like a new $3 billion addition to their data center, something like that. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, yeah, it's, it's large. Going to be quite large. Do you remember 2008, 2009? I remember seeing, even in downtown Seattle, like a 50% occupancy rate of uh, mm. business storefronts. Yeah. Even, even in the Seattle area, I think we're doing a little bit better. Um, you know, I think this is a small one. I, a lot of people were thinking this is it. This is it. I don't think this is it as in far as like some sort of a crash or anything like that. I think that this is uh So it, I think it's kind one. of a, a case of uh, uh, mutual blackmail. <laughs> okay. So, so you get the, you know, the hedge funds and, and what have you, um, I mean, they live and die by the Federal Reserve, right? If Federal Reserve cuts interest rates, stock market, generally speaking, shoots up, at least in the, you know, kind of near term. It shoots up before it uh, happens and then after it. And so there was a a tiny raise in interest rates mm-hmm. Yeah, that preceded all of this. And I think it's just kind of a game where right. stock market drops and it's like, oh, see, we had to drop interest rates again. Oh, the Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve will come in and save it. I mean, right. And I think that was the that was the, what started it. But I think it began to snowball from there. So the okay. open they opened up this quarter, of uh, you know, back from New Year's, and it started to fall on its own a little bit, um, probably on the heels of the uh, interest rate raised by the Fed. And then it seems like everybody started to kind of panic, like, oh, the interest rate. And then the numbers started coming in from quarter four as far as how much people had spent for the Christmas season. And they were way lower than what people mm. thought. Yeah. And so as and as more and more of those uh, uh, reports came out, it just started to kind of snowball and fall, kind of free fall. Um, 
Now, it got so bad. I thought this was at least of note. I know a lot of people don't like Zero Hedge. I think uh, No Agenda show talks about how they don't like Zero Hedge. I, you know, I well, it's it. John C. Dvorak who just criticizes every other media outlet ever. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But uh, so I found this to be extremely humorous. Uh, the Atlanta. So Zero Hedge wrote an article pointing out that the Atlanta Fed had not released their fourth quarter uh, consumer spending report because some intern botched up the paperwork or something like this. <laughs> yeah, um, right. And they made it wrote an article saying clearly this the Atlanta Fed is just trying to buy time before they release the paperwork. The Atlanta Fed responded at Zero Hedge. Nope, actually was just a little bit of a. Uh, uh, a mistake, nothing nefarious here, and then release the quarterly report, which of course was negative. But I found it to be of note that the Atlanta <laughs> Fed would tweet at Zero Hedge, "Hey, hey, hey! This was nothing nefarious. We just had a mistake." Yeah. So uh, it made him a little bit more uh, uh, credible in my eyes, anyway. So, and it seems like well, here, I mean, now in the, the last Atlanta week, Atlanta Fed doesn't run anything. You know, sure. Like it's the New York Fed that runs everything. Um, they've got the biggest control over the Federal Reserve. Shh, and then you, don't you don't know. tell Alex Jones that he likes to stand outside the Dallas Fed. <laughs> well, the Dallas Fed actually, the Dallas Fed chief is actually somewhat, uh, you know, like anti-free money forever. Well, there you go. Which in and the the problem I mean the problem is they can just cut it off anytime they want in Kaza in Kaza huge stock market crash and if you know that's coming ahead of time you can make the the volatility is where the the money is made if you know what's coming ahead of time you can make money whether the market's going up or down it doesn't you matter yes yeah, right you just got to bet against it speaking of and. Uh, what what people out there could do is just ask me what I would do and then do the exact opposite. I was going to say, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Andrew Hoffman investment extraordinaire. Yeah, bought gold and silver. It worked out great. <laughs> bought a condo in Arizona. Worked out awesome. Actually, uh, yeah, pretty much at this point, I'm just uh, buying medical bills so <laughs> well that's a uh, that's what that's where the the investment money's going so. which i will be uh, mentioning in the show notes at the end of the show as a matter of fact i might, might might just go ahead and mention it now as i said every cent every penny that is donated to this show between between now and february 1st and it can go longer. This is kind of like an arbitrary deadline. I don't really need to, to make a deadline. Let's extend it out. We're going another two weeks, people. We're going to the 15th. The 15th of February, every cent that's donated will go directly to Andrew Hoffman and his wife and their medical bills. I will tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, um, if you can help, please do. Uh, so far, we have $273 to go towards Andrew Hoffman's medical uh, bills, please donate to the show. Please send some money if you can. If you can spare it, it'll go right to paying medical bills so that a, uh, a family of three with their little girl can uh, can get back to, to normal after being hospitalized. So 
if you can spare some change, some any little bit helps. Uh, we had one extremely generous donator right from the front, and uh, I want to personally thank that person. So thank you very much to you. You know who you are. Um, please keep keep yeah, those donations rolling in. Well, thank you very much for the uh, for everyone's support on that front, and um, I am thankful that we had insurance because it'll be. You know, like a, about five thousand dollars that we actually have to pay, as opposed to um, got one bill. It was for room and board. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess the total. I already know, man. So how long was she in? Eleven days. Oh, eleven days. <sighs> well, <laughs> this was not. Uh, this was not any of the doctors. Not Sick- surgery. Just room and board. 65. You were pretty close. It was was 50. Oh, almost like my wife was hospitalized for a year or for a a week two years ago. Yeah. All I did was double that. So I'm pretty. Yep. So, yeah, she was right about hers was right about 30. It's interesting when you get that first bill and they're like, this is the part you owe. You're like, ah, ah, And then I got another bill. It's like, oh, we're just kidding. You only owe half that. I'm like, ah! <laughs> and it's like, oh, your bill came through, and it comes down. Like, finally comes through, and I'm like, how the hell in the world she worked at a hospital at the time? How is this possible? And then it came through. It's like you owe this amount, and I was just like, oh, gosh, let's write a check. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's probably a strategy. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, seriously. By the time we got, by the time I got the third one, like, I was like, oh, oh it's oh. only, it's only like five grand. Where's a pen? Where's a pen? Write a check right now. Let's just let's get this. We paid it. Let's, let's move on. I don't want any more bills. I no, I and they they had a um, prompt payment discount, so I got like a hundred bucks off of that. So. Oh, jeez. So you owe five grand. Yeah, I think. Uh, uh, forty-seven fifty. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we got twenty-seven two hundred seventy-three dollars so far. If there's any donors out there, any listeners to this show that can spare a little bit, uh, help a, a brother in need, um, this would be the time. And uh, you know, let's just go all the way to the end of February. I didn't know it was so large. All the way till the end of next month. It's a leap year too, so it's an extra day. Twenty-nine <laughs> days. Twenty-nine. <laughs> we might so, even do like two shows in February. Just there you go. <laughs> <laughs> sending the sending the value back to the people there. Well, I think I think March is a renewal for one of our services, so we will keep some of that. We're starting in March, we'll we'll go back to putting it towards the show. But hey, folks, uh, just I mean, it's pretty simple. I don't know how to do this any other way than just to say you know help a brother out, help our help our, our good friend Andrew out. Uh, large medical bills in a in a time of need. That's about it. I mean, that's. Uh, I don't want to get any any more eloquent eloquent way to say that. Um, while we're on financial stuff, though, you threw an article from my favorite guy. Not my favorite. This guy annoys me to no end. But uh, CNBC admits that Peter Schiff was right. Well, we already talked about that part, though. Oh, we did? Because he... Um, they gave him a victory lap because he had predicted when the fed raised interest rates that it, the stock market was going to go down considerably. Um, I guess kind of the issue is that he's 
been saying that for a really long time. Yeah, I was going to say, man. I mean, Peter Schiff is totally right. You know, he started saying the market was going to crash in like 1982, and he's been consistently <laughs> saying it for the last 30 years. Yeah. So now that the market's crashing, let's bring out Peter Schiff and say, hey, man, turns out you were right. I mean, never mind all those extremely bullish years. Yeah. So. But uh, let's see. Uh, you got anything else you wanted to cover? Uh, Bill Belichick's stiff arm camouflage campaign. Did we? I know I read that story when it came out, but did we talk about it on the show? We didn't. We didn't. So Bill Belichick won't wear the camo. He won't wear the camo. Yeah. This is a diff. This is different than when teams were paid by the Department of Defense, or Department of Defense, to stage patriotic pro-military acts like bringing soldiers out on the field and asking fans to cheer. Senator John McCain, among others, ripped that as a paid patriotism and humbled the league and its teams into returning six point eight million. <laughs> what a scam! <laughs> what an amazing scam! Like, okay, we're gonna buy some advertising here. What? You took our money for advertising? Give it back. <laughs> uh, he blazes his own trail and isn't one to go along with something for the sake of going along with something. Salute to service is no different than the breast cancer campaign. And often the only pink Belichick sports is on the swoosh of his Nikes. Uh, Belichick has been at odds with the circus surrounding pro football in general and the leagues of office his role in in it in particular how it odds according to multiple patriots uh, belichick sources throughout the years it's cost him easy money antagonize a league that has jumped of late to investigate him and even the impetus behind his uh, signature hoodie sweatshirt so oh yeah uh, they they jumped to investigate him mm-hmm. please bob yeah. Kraft and roger goodell are Buddies, or, or but buddies. I do. Li- I gotta like the guy for not wanting to wear the camo on the sideline. I think that's good. Yeah, and the pink, and the pink. So, um, anything else you wanted to hit? I did notice that we will no longer be talk. You know, we lost to the dustbin of history as our our short discussion of virtual reality pornography. Which maybe it's better that way. That we maybe it's that, better. That one didn't it's... make it to the light of day. Yeah. Uh, so Yahoo did a story on the Unabomber. What? It, in particular, the Unabomber's letters. Okay. Um, anyway, we've, I've, I've read some of his stuff and talked about it on the, the show before. So none of the fact that, um, he was involved in government mind control programs. That's not mentioned in here, of course. Uh, but it does talk about his reaction to September 11th. And um, he's he's critical of Al-Qaeda. <laughs> uh, let me find that section here. I'm not sure if Scrib had posted all the letters, uh, right. but all his letters are going to be on display that he provided are going to be on display at the University of Michigan. Interesting. So le- letters to him and letters from him. Hmm. Um, which is kind of interesting because he's, so he's not allowed to use the internet. And uh, so he's, 
Like the last letter writer in America is Theodore Kaczynski. <laughs> yeah. And my grandmother. But there, other there than those go. two, that's it. No one else writes letters anymore. By the way, Kaczynski leans Democrat. So every time it's like, oh, you know, the crazy uh, right wing conservative, right wing militia. Wackos. Yeah. Notice they never bring up Theodore Kaczynski. Hmm. Hmm. It's always didn't it's he, always Oklahoma go, City. Didn't he go to Cal or Stanford or something? He went to um well I think he was teaching at Stanford. Um he went to Harvard at sixteen years old and then he, he got uh degrees from University of Michigan. Uh I think he was yeah. A real dullard. Yeah. Um I have and, an important and, question for you. Go ahead. Okay, I think I've talked about, but you read his stuff and it's like, if, uh, if only one, he wouldn't have mailed bombs to people. No, no. no. Um, if it weren't for God, he would be right. That's generally huh. my general take on it. That's interesting. So he, um, so he's basically. You know, he doesn't believe in God or is agnostic or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, well, so we're humanity is doomed if all this happens. So therefore, this is the only way it would stop. Therefore, you have to do it. So here's what he says about Al Qaeda. And uh, okay, soon Kaczynski was reading the Quran to better understand Islamic culture and offering commentary of Al Qaeda's apparently stupid strategy to those who wrote him. If Al-Qaeda's goal is what Al-Qaeda pretends it is, namely, interesting word, pretends, namely the collapse of the U.S. or maybe the West as a whole, their strategy seems inexplicably obtuse, he wrote in a January 2002 letter. They ought to have realized that proclaiming themselves to be enemies of America as such and engaging in indiscriminate mass slaughter of Americans, they could only earn the hatred of all Americans and unite Americans behind their own leaders. Hmm. Precisely, Theodore Kaczynski. Exactly what They happened. could only earn the hatred of all Americans and unite Americans behind their own leaders. Exactly. Almost like Al-Qaeda was working for the leaders of America. Well hmm. thought out there, Ted. Turns out if you just wouldn't have mailed bombs to people, you wouldn't be so crazy. Yeah, kind of like, uh, here's my critique of your strategy, Theodore Kaczynski. Um, <laughs> mailing bombs uh, to people that always never even got opened by them, got opened by like grad assistants or security guards or yeah. different things a la, not super effective a la terminator yeah like remember the whole terminator the whole both terminator movies the whole or actually all the terminator movies the whole theme is basically go back in time and stop the people that invent technology <laughs> mm. yeah. right right it's essentially yeah. what what ted was doing through the mail um well but it, it wasn't I mean, you think he would have gone out after Al Gore for inventing the internet? You know. It's... <laughs> uh, I don't know how to feel about him going after Al Gore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have an important question for you. The question that's on everyone's mind out there. I want to beat you to it. I got to ask. Are you ready? Ready. The Steelers and Broncos game this last week, two weeks ago. Okay. Who did you pick? 
Um, Broncos. And did I pick the Steelers? Yes. All right, folks. With a score of six good corrections <laughs> to five, or excuse me, six good predictions of games one to a score of five predictions of games one. Andrew has won this week, this year's NFL playoffs prediction. No, games. it's not over. I guess that's true. At this yeah. point, you have won. Um, yeah. However, you're going to have to pick the Broncos and be correct to win. So I'll we'll take it. I'll take the, it. The, the, the Super Bowl. But I, I can. Points, I can only but... hope to tie at that point. So no, it's Super Bowls were two. Well, I appreciate that. I'll take the Broncos. I'll hope defense finally does win championships. I'll, I'll once again hope that I'm my prediction is wrong. I will let you know. I will have you know, sir. My my Every... wife says she says she cannot handle watching Cam Newton celebrate. There she's is like, something strange she, but about, she, about she him. She had to. She had to. Like watch, she's like, why am I still watching this game? It's over, and I I can't stand it, but I can't look away. Yeah, there's something <laughs> strange about the way Cam Newton celebrates. Like I think I actually used to like the guy. I thought he was good, and you know, just I don't know. Well, he's good. There's something about the way the cockiness that he has um, that infuriates many many people. My wife yeah. also like just like oh, she what was she, what was it she said? What she 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 had a good what did she? He just seems slimy and yeah. just, I don't trust him is what she said. It's <laughs> all yeah. the smiling and celebrating. <laughs> I just don't trust him. So I <laughs> thought that was uh, interesting. You know, it's always good to hear some but man, uh, fairly can, objective opinions. Um, you know, I always thought uh, Peyton Manning underperformed in the playoffs, but Carson Palmer just takes it to a whole other level. Oh. The most unlucky quarterback of our time. I mean, he's just had the worst run at it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if unlucky is the right word. <laughs> I'll send you an article. It's, I think it was from Grantland, but it, would, it talks about how basically Carson Palmer was has experienced some of the worst luck of any mm. of any quarterback ever. I mean, you got to admit, blown out his ACL in his first trip to the playoffs was a right. a, a bad one, and, and then from then on out, he's a member of the Bengals, and from here to there to there. So, but he played really, really, really bad. Yeah, he played pretty things. atrociously. So, okay, show notes. I, I was rooting for the Cardinals. I mean, hey, I've got lots of. Arizona Cardinal fan friends. So I'm with you. I was right there with you, my friend. Unfortunately, Larry Fitzgerald is about the only player left. I would have been. I mean, Carolina does have some Oregon players, but it's totally offset by Cam Newton. Yep. Yeah, I know. I know. Trust me. I like some, some, some players for Carolina too, but Cam Newton also on that team. So I even like Ron Rivera. So anyway, (laughs) We have a few show notes to go over real quick. First off, I want to say hello to Ellie Babb. Ellie Babb is Paul's daughter, and apparently she listens every week. So say hi to Ellie out there, Andrew. Hello, Ellie. Thank you for listening. There you go. And another show note I want to wrap up with is Abby. There's a listener named Abby from Chile. As a matter of fact, I should have 
clicked on them. They, he sent me a couple of links to stories today. Probably would have been important to look into that before we mm. started the show. Yeah, we're running out of time though. Um, but Abby is uh, is having a tough time right now. Uh, some stuff going on with his mom, uh, health issue wise. Um, I don't know how much I'm supposed to share, but uh, I just want to say if you guys are Christians out there, if you could, please go ahead and uh, and say a prayer for Abby and his mom. Uh, really struggling through some uh, tough times now. Uh, seems like uh, maybe nearing the end there, and he just needs a lot of prayer. And, of course, the last thing I'll wrap up with is Andrew's medical fund. Now we know the total. We know how much we've got. If you got a, a little bit of extra, even if it's 5 10 bucks, every little bit helps. Please send it our way to help Andrew pay for his medical bills. Without further ado, as I am forced to root for... The Orange Crush, Denver <laughs> defense, and Peyton Manning. I believe we sh- someone should check hell real quick to see if it may have frozen over. Well, I I will say this. Uh, Danny Kelly, he's one of the writers on the, the Seahawks blog, Field Goals. And uh, he wrote an article about how Super Bowl Forty Eight made the Broncos better and how they figured out they needed to focus way more on defense yeah and then gary they brought in gary kubiak and made some serious they, changes they were so, way better coached than under john fox that's exactly they, they right they would not have beat the Patriots. i mean the i it's hard to say they out coached belichick because i don't think anyone really does i uh, think but that they it, it was not it was absolutely not a mismatch which it often is with, with wade belichick. phillips might have out coached Wade Phillips' defense yeah, might some, have outcoached they did Tom some stuff Brady's that there was, offense. That there was no way they could have prepared for, and it worked. I like Wade. Just enough. I like Wade Phillips, <laughs> man. It worked just enough for sure. I like Wade, and so therefore I will root for them. And like I said, not my anybody out there who has a close accessibility to hell, give it a, tri- give it a check, make sure everything's good. Still hot because I, I think it might have frozen over. I'm rooting for the Orange Crush in the Super Bowl. Lord help me. <laughs> so, are you going to be a Raiders fan if they move to San Diego? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to divorce myself altogether from the Chargers organization very shortly. The only thing good yeah. left there is Philip Rivers. Um, and other than that, I've been rooting for one of the worst owners in the league for too long. Uh, yeah. I think it's on to. The Seahawks, I mean, my wife has become a full-blown football fan, strangely enough. you got to love the NFL's marketing ability. Yeah. Um, so, and it, it's, you know, we own Seahawks jerseys and ugly Seahawks Christmas sweaters. And, I mean, we're, it's it's getting harder and harder to root for that team down there that cannot seem to win with a future least consideration Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, even Oh, I think uh, statistically he's got to be. Oh yeah, I feel like he's a he's a Manning like or man, not Manning like Marino like in that way, but it's yeah. just it's uh, it's just unbelievable. They can't seem to do anything with him. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, what was I going to say? I was going to wrap up with something, and now I have forgotten it. Too much football talk. There's never too much football talk. This is America, Tim. <laughs> That's right. This is America. There's, there's always-, always more football, <laughs> and even when there's no more football, there's more football. That's you right. got to get ready for free agency and then for the draft. That's right. I do, however, want to hop on the Golden State bandwagon if I can, because that is that train has left the building and it is amazing. Yeah, 
they just embarrassed Popovich, uh, which I haven't seen done. And I don't think I've ever seen that done. So that was nice. Yeah. Of course with Popovich, uh, he, he has like a hatred for the NBA, which mm-hmm. is kind of strange since he coaches an NBA team. But whenever there's like a really big matchup, he, he'll like sit people out or sabotage it. I think it's, you know, we'll we'll see in the playoffs. I think before you say Popovich has been. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right because because Greg Popovich is the Bill Belichick of the NBA. Yeah, the Spurs are the Patriots, and Popovich is Bill Belichick. So, yeah, I've, I actually saw that posted somewhere. No one be fooled. This is all part of his playoff strategy. Yeah. <laughs> so he. He he places what I would say is the proper amount of focus on the regular season, which is not much. Almost none. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And and um, a Blazers fan, which they're not going to win a ton of games, but they're pretty entertaining to watch. At least, you know, the... Uh, they're they're usually competitive and they get up and down the court and score a lot of points. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Andrew Hoffman, Portland Trailblazers aside, do you have any words of wisdom for us this evening? Um. Well, even though the most evil of the candidates will win in politics. God wins in the end. So. Amen. I love it. That's a good. That's a good word. It's a good thing to part on after covering all these dark stories, and then talking about the Broncos, Greg Popovich, and Bill Belichick. It's always good <laughs> to remember that God is still in charge. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at RevelationsRadioNews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com, and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say- There's always more football, Tim. That's the great thing about America. There's always more football.